Welcome to The Money Show. I'm Bruce Whitfield. Far too many South Africans are out of work. Far too many South Africans have given up trying to find work simply because our economy is not creating jobs. And part of the reason why we're not creating jobs is that we've got an insistence, an ideological insistence, and I understand because where our history comes from, that lots of people feel that we need to make blooming sure that we create lots of decent jobs. And decent jobs mean great working conditions, good salaries, and that everybody um, has got a chance to advance on some kind of career path. But the reality of our situation is that we've not created those decent jobs. So are any jobs better than no jobs? That's the question this evening with Anne Bernstein, head of the Centre for Development and Enterprise, on the line to us from Johannesburg this evening. The, the crisis of unemployment, Anne Bernstein, you talk about it as requiring a brand new approach. What are you proposing? Well, Bruce, for almost 20 years, we've the government has operated on the assumption that we have to have very high standards of work, we have to create decent jobs for South Africans. And really, I'm arguing that, and all our work is showing that this approach has failed. We're losing jobs, and we are not able to provide jobs for the vast majority of South Africans who, through no fault of their own, do not have decent education and cannot fit into a high-skill, high-wage kind of economy. Then to Glenn on the SMS lines a point saying, yep, hopeless, exploitative, demeaning, soul-destroying, menial jobs are better than nothing. And then he puts in inverted commas, let's see how much I can get away with is the type of employer mantra that comes with this approach. That's Glenn's view this evening on the SMS line. And how do you respond to that? Well, let me respond to that. I think as South Africans we have to get away from the emotion and say, is it better for a person to be unemployed with no prospect of anything, no hope for the future, no, no learning on the job as all of us have done? Or is it better for somebody to get a basic job, probably with low conditions, but you know, basic health and safety, and have a chance to participate in the modern economy? If you say... We don't want those kinds of jobs. We'd rather they went to our neighboring countries or Ethiopia. Then you have to say, what are you offering? All those millions of people who have very little skill and no work experience. What is the prospect for them for the future? In my view, we have to look at what's happened almost everywhere in the world where very poor countries have gone for these low-wage, low-skill jobs, not very wonderful, but in time, quite short time actually, the lives of those people and their children change fundamentally for the better. It goes beyond the issue of just whatever the paltry wage package would be, and it would be paltry. It goes to issues of dignity, it goes to issues of self-respect, it goes to issues of self-sufficiency, and ultimately the possibility that if you are an individual who's equipped with a little bit of chutzpah, who gets that first job, you're able to leverage that job to the next, the next, and possibly the next one. Absolutely. You learn things from working. So if South Africa said, no, we don't want that, but we will offer you public sector, a public works job, which are short term. The evidence is you don't learn very much at all. They're temporary jobs. I think that those kinds of jobs 
would be much better in the private sector. You will get a much longer-term job. You have the prospect of learning all sorts of things. Why is it okay for the public sector to do this, but not the private sector? I mean, the public works programs, these expanded public works programs, are the sort of guys that you might see picking up rubbish on the side of the highway, for example. They don't get paid particularly much, plus it's on a short-term contract. It's the stuff that government says to the private sector, that's exploitative. You may not do it. We can, because we're doing people a favor, but you can't do it to create sustainable jobs where learning might happen. Exactly. And I think the question is, and that's what we're trying to put onto the public agenda, we're saying we've tried this now for quite a long time and we have the highest recorded unemployment rate in the world. Um, Isn't it time to say this approach hasn't worked? Let's rather get some of those manufacturing jobs that are moving out of China. And, and you know, imagine if we got two to three million of those which is not sort of out of the realm of possibility, this could transform South Africa in the next 15, 20 years. Um, Instead of just saying, no, we're going to have a whole lot of people who are unemployed, who probably come out of families where both parents are unemployed, and there's just no hope for the future. I'm going to wear a Kosatu hat for just a moment. It's quite tight. It doesn't fit very comfortably, Anne. But let me ask you the question this way and say, why would you support that kind of exploitation? Because you know, Anne, at the heart of capitalism is this desire to maximize the returns out of sweat capital. All you're suggesting is we create another, a new generation of Chinese sweatshops to exploit people who don't have a choice in South Africa answers to that. The one is that Hong Kong or Chinese sweatshops start as as pretty unpleasant factories in which to work, but very soon they transform into wealth and opportunity for the men and women who are involved in them. That's number one. Number two is why is it not exploitative to say to South Africans I've got a job but you can't get one because the conditions aren't good enough for you. And number three If you take the Kosatu position, what is the alternative you are offering these people? We look at the Newcastle experiment, which was a couple of years ago, where there was a dispensation given to, I think it was Chinese factory owners. And effectively, they were closed down, weren't they, in terms of there was textile manufacturing happening on a very small scale, where people who were prepared to work for very little went and worked for very little. But there was a huge outrage at that. Well, there was a huge outrage by organized labor, who were involved, it must be pointed out, in the collective bargaining process in Cape Town in the cities and who had investments in other countries in low-level, low-wage factories. They didn't like this. You know, so you can't just look at these things in isolation. You have to say, what were the alternatives for the mainly women involved in the factories in Newcastle, or disproportionately women? The alternatives were being a domestic servant in a house, getting up at six in the morning, working for very long hours, getting very little money. And the minimum wage in that sector is paltry, as it's it is. very little, yeah. or working in rural areas. And the evidence was nobody is forcing people to work in these kinds of factories. The, you know, the Newcastle entrepreneurs weren't forcing anybody to work there. People were voluntarily coming and saying, this is better than what yeah. my other options. And that's all we're saying. We're saying create the environment in which the private sector and investors can can 
build these sort of factories and let's see what happens. We've got government policy of wanting to build a generation of black industrialists. Now, there's less and less to build that generation of black industrialists on as the economy is showing very little signs of life. Your suggestion is let's create an environment in which low-skill, low-paid work can be the first job that people embark on and gives them a, a better chance to make a go of their lives. I'm saying a number of things. Let's do exactly that for all those millions of people, mainly young people who have bad education and little experience. Give them an opportunity, a foothold into the modern economy. But I'm also saying let's create a much more conducive environment for new entrepreneurs, for new black entrepreneurs to get into the marketplace in any sector and to grow. And I think that's how you get new black industrialists as well. So we need a much more entrepreneurial society. We need much less regulation. And then we might have a chance of getting back to a a higher growth rate and a much more labor-intensive economy. I need you to respond to one more SMS, please. And I'm sure you're used to these (laughs) arguments, Anne, from Ken, who's saying your choices, these are your choices, are morally bankrupt. These are not the only choices we have. These are the only choices for capitalists. South Africa is the most unequal society in the world. Why doesn't your guest put as reasons for the high unemployment rate? I think you are putting reasons for the high unemployment rate, and you're saying that our society needs a different kind of answer. But just respond to Ken's argument there that your choices are morally bankrupt. Well, let me rather respond this way. I am in favor of massive numbers of new jobs for unskilled people being created. I am also in favor of dramatically improving our schooling system and our skills training system for for people entering the workforce. We we need to get much better at doing that, and this will dramatically expand opportunities for lots and lots of people. So I think the moral alternative is not to condemn people to unemployment and terrible schooling and bad training skills, but to fix these things and to look at what we can learn from other poorer countries, other countries with lots and lots of unemployed people who have gone the route that I'm advocating, because I don't think there is another one. A big five feature this evening, Anne Bernstein, thank you very much, the head for the Centre of Development and Enterprise. That's her perspective this evening, and it's a perspective that's worth listening to. Lots of you take offence to it, um, and I understand. We've got a, a deeply complicated past and an exploitative past, but what is, if you've ever been unemployed, you understand that fear of waking up in the morning, and not just about what you're going to do all day, because maybe you've given up on work, but what does the future hold for you? At the risk of overquoting the Frank McGuigui example, at the risk of doing that, Frank McGuigui, the chief executive of Momentum Retail, who came and joined us for the CEO sleepout and told his story to CEOs and moved many of them to tears that night. He was homeless. He lived on the streets of Job for eight months. A woman took pity on him and gave him a peace job, helping her look after one of his fruit and veg stands, paying him pitiful amounts, 10 bucks a day, some food. He ate the food. Saved the 10 bucks until he had enough to start the first fruit and veg store. Then there were three fruit and veg stores, which he then hired people at small wages, I'm sure, to run for him so that he could go and spend time in the Joburg Public Library having an an income while he tried to improve himself. He then ended up with a bursary at 
Wits University studying actuarial science. And today, he is the CEO of Momentum Retail and doing, by all accounts, a great job there. Without that 10 bucks a day peace job on the street because it was beneath his dignity to accept 10 bucks, he'd probably still be on the street.